In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We'll continue to study the book of Song of Songs, or chapter 3, verse 9. Just a quick review, if you guys remember so far, we said this is the best song, or the most beautiful song, because it expresses the dialogue between the human soul and our Lord. We also said this song expresses the stages of the spiritual life. And we talked about the period of the initial grace when God comes and touches our hearts and we feel very loved and we feel like we want to be with Him only and so intimate with Him. And we saw that what usually gets us out of the initial grace is either a stage of discouragement or ignorance. So people who don't have good guidance in their life or people who get discouraged quickly because they continue to expect God to deal with them in the same way. People who are still desiring God and want to continue with Him and they want to fight for Him and they don't want to give up, then what happens is they enter into a stage where they find God again. When they find God again, because they fought for Him, and they fought for the relationship, and they want the relationship, eventually, the biggest warfare they, fail, they face is laziness. You guys remember last night she said, on my bed at night, I sought the one I love, I sought him, but I could not find him, because it was on her bed at night. So the second stage in our spiritual life that makes us lose this intimacy with God is laziness. If we do not overcome laziness, sometime we'll find years passing by in our life without growing in the grace of God. Laziness is tricky because we look at people around us and we feel like we're okay, we're doing fine. And we give ourselves the affirmation that we're doing okay. And that becomes a problem because many years can be wasted in a life of laziness. After the soul overcomes laziness, what happened? Marriage between the soul and God happened. A life of commitment, a life of love that is born when you are no longer lazy. So if you're still struggling with laziness, you're still at the shore of your relationship with God. Now what happens with a life that is married to God? You'll find that the, speech, the soul talks to God and God talks to the soul and it's a constant two way of praise. God praises the soul and the soul praises God. Actually I was thinking about this the other day. We always think of heaven, us getting to know God. This is what the Bible says. Heaven, eternal life is to know God the Father and His only begotten Son. But this song is also showing us that in heaven we will praise God. And God will praise us. And you will see that every part of you, as we read this chapter, God sees so beautiful and talks about it so highly 
this is not a one-way um, relationship or not a one-way uh, praise it's a two-way praise it's different so now we are in the marriage period where the soul is married to God and she speaks of his of who he is so in verse 9 it says of the wood of Lebanon Solomon the king made himself a blank one the word blank one was a, or a court this is the court that the king will move on what is this court that the king moves on made out of wood there's a one of the older translation of the scripture in the Psalms it says the Lord reigns over a wood the throne of God is the cross that's why in the Holy Week, in the Holy Week when the Lord is on the cross we say for thine is the power the glory the authority the majesty because that is his throne what is his throne throne of love what does that mean we all live in everybody live under a government how does a government rule over you and me by fear if you speed you get a ticket you don't want to get a ticket right if you uh, if you steal you'll be in prison if you cheat the university will kick you out so even if you want to do it you are afraid to do it okay that's how they rule over you and me all right how does God rule over us he rules by his love he rules by his patience he's like would you follow me God I, I, I would love to follow you I'm gonna show you that I'm gonna come and wash your feet can you also wash other people's feet right it's different different one of the saints said suffering is a great grace through suffering the soul becomes like the Savior and suffering love becomes crystallized the greater the suffering the purer the love the greater the suffering the purer the love the one thing that the Lord took with him when he ascended to heaven from the earth is his wounds because they were the greater greatest expression of love when you get married to God he reigns over us by how much he loves us and by his example of love that encourages me to feel comfortable to suffer like him and to feel comfortable to follow what he's doing if I don't have the cart of the cross the king sitting on the cross in front of my own eyes I will not be able to forgive I will not be able to give I will not be able to do anything it's not easy he came and showed me how to do it and he came to point what I could not reach I was just actually thinking about this verse the other day I was talking to some people today about it when the Bible says do not fear a little flock 
sell what you have and give to the poor. What is God saying? Sell what you have and give to the poor. That's a frightening idea. That's scary. You want me to sell everything I have and give to the poor? Yes. I'm afraid. He says, do not fear. I'm still afraid. Then he will tell me, I have sold everything. I'm not telling you something that I am telling you from above, like a president or a mayor or a governor. I am telling you something that I have lived. And I'm walking this journey with you. What does this throne look like? What does this cart look like? He said he made its pillars of silver, its support of gold, it is its seat of purple, its interior paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. What does this cart look like? Sometimes people say, some of the fathers of the church says the cart is the throne of God, the cross, or some people said the cart is the human soul. If you guys remember in Ezekiel, the 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 book opens with an with a revelation of a fiery cart. And Saint Macarius said that this cart is the human soul that God rode on. What does this soul look like? Or what does this cross look like? What does this court look like? It says it's pillar of silver. Obviously the pillars are there so people can put curtains around the pillars. So these pillars is to seal it from the outside. And silver is a symbol of purity. So this is, by the way, the same image that they have for the holies of holy. To enter into the holies of holy, I have to be pure in heart. To see God, I have to be as simple as a child. God reigns over the heart that is pure and simple. One time, somebody introduced me to a person and he told me this person is a saint, a layman. My observation about this person, he's like, he's probably old, he's in his 70s. That he was like a child. Pure as it can get. So pure, so simple, so beautiful. That's what made this become a place where God can reign. It says the, 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 the support or the bottom of it is made out of gold. Is made out of gold. If you guys remember that the back or the resting place in the temple or the mercy seat of God and the temple was also made out of gold. God sits on a seat that's made out of gold gold represents mercy that's why the mercy seat itself was made out of gold how does god reign over me by his mercy how does how do i allow the mercies of god to enter my life is to be merciful 
That's why the Bible says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When was the last time that I was merciful? When was the last time I forgave easily? When was the last time I humbled myself? This is the time where you will immediately feel the presence of God. This is when God reigns. When I am merciful. Saint Cyril of Alexandria said, we should think that the use of gold donates a spiritual union, which is precious and divine. For to demonstrate the union of God and humankind, the ark in the desert was also covered within and without by gold. So when God resided in the ark of covenant, what was the ark covenant made out of? Is wood covered by gold. Wood is the cross. Gold is the reign and the lordship of God, lordship of mercy. I want you to imagine how this scene looks like. This is either your own soul or this is where God is sitting and you're seeing him. He sits under him is mercy, around him is purity. And she says, the human soul says what? And it's seat of purple. The color of purple was the same color that the curtain of the holies of holies was covered in. It was partially purple. And they actually put a purple robe on our Lord Jesus Christ. And purple actually represents royalty and also represents his blood and also points to the Passover lamb. So the purple represents the, the true kingdom of God. God reigns in my heart or on the cross as a true king. As a true king. Full royalty over my heart. Full royalty over my heart. And then he says, it's interior paved with love. What is the paved with love? Paved with love are the promises of God that are inviting us to get to know God. What is heaven? Heaven is love. What does it mean? If you guys remember our Lord Jesus Christ, he said in John 17, 24, he says, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Who is talking? The son is talking to the father. He says, you have loved me before the foundation of, a, of the world. What does that mean? What was God doing before he created us? There was love between the father and the son. That's an eternal love. Eternal love. This is the, that's why we say God is love because he's Trinity. Now look what he says in John 15, 9. He says, as the father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Wow. The eternal love between the Father and the Son is the love that God is inviting me to join. This is not an arbitrary, arbitrary description of love. 
This is very specific and very profound. I'm sharing of the love of the Trinity. That's why it was important for God to reveal to us that He is a Trinity. So when He tells us what He's sharing with us, we know exactly what He's talking about. I mean, at least get a glimpse. We don't know until we go to heaven. This is, we're talking about an, a place where it's all love, all mercy, all grace. That's why in John 1.17 we say, For the law was given through Moses, but what? The grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This beautiful court, this beautiful throne, paved with love by the daughter of Jerusalem. Who are the daughter of Jerusalem? The saints. Where does God reign? God does not reign in a specific location. He reigns in the hearts of the saints. He reigns in the minds of his children. That's why the Lord said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, let me pause here because I want to be a bit more descriptive. If I get into a fight with somebody, and all day long my thoughts is constantly full of anger and bitterness and hatred, Who's reigning? Not God. Most, most people, their thoughts and their hearts are controlled by evil, not by God. How do you let God reign? If I get an evil thoughts, I'm praying. If I have free time, I run to God, spend time with Him. If I see somebody in need, I go to help. I am constantly consumed with the work of the kingdom. Does God reign over your thoughts, your hearts, and your action? Or somebody else reigns? When somebody says, I can't pray daily, who's reigning? You can't give God 10-15 minutes. Who is reigning? Who is controlling? I can't fast. I can't do this. The reign is love. Love that is eternal between the Father and the Son. This love was manifested on the cross. The thermometer of love is suffering. You want to meet God, you have to follow His path. Then in verse 11 says, Go forth, O daughter of Zion, and see King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day of gladness of his heart. Remember, we're talking about marriage. So this is the verse is talking about the day of the wedding. It says, Go forth. O daughter of Zion. The word go forth reminds us of the parable of the wise and foolish virgin. In Matthew 25, 6, it says, At midnight a cry was heard. 
Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and to meet him. The wedding of the human soul happens when the human soul is resurrected for the second coming to meet the Lord. Daughter of the Zions, obviously, are the spirit of the saints. And then she says here, look, and see King Solomon. Obviously, said King Solomon is a is a is a is a type type of Christ. King Shalom, Solomon or Shalom, King of Peace. Crown uh, uh, King Solomon with the crown with his mother crowned him. What is the crown that his mother crowned him with? This is, as you see it in, in, the, in Hebrew, it's a crown of thorn. And who is the mother that crowns the Lord of the crown of thorn? The mother is humankind. That's why the Lord liked to use the, the expression son of man. And in Daniel, even in the old in the in the prophecies described himself as the son of man because the human mother crowned the Lord with the crown of thorn. Saint Cyril of Jerusalem said every king is proclaimed by soldiers. It was fitting that Jesus also in figure be crowned by soldiers. For this reason, the scripture says in the canticles, Daughter of Jerusalem, come forth and look upon King Solomon in the crown with which his mother has crowned him. But the crown was also a mystery, for it was a remission of sins and a release from the sentence of condemnation. Every king is crowned by soldiers. Our Lord was crowned by pain and suffering, crowned by love. For whoever, that's why the Bible, the Bible says the, uh, that, that the Lord started also to invite all of us to become part of his family. And the Bible says, for whoever does my, my, the will of my father is my brother and my mother. He's not ashamed to call us his siblings. The mother, the human being, crowned him with thorns and we were called to be his brethren. That's why in Hebrew it says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you and again I will put my trust in him. Obviously, the day of marriage is the day when the number of the elected saints will be completed. And this is in Revelation 6, 11. It says, Then a white robe was given to teach to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. There is a number of holy saints that are expected to make it to heaven before the second coming. What does that mean? 
It means the main reason that this world continues to exist is that there are people that God is still saving. If there is nobody on earth is being saved, there is no point for the earth to exist. And this day will be with gladness. This day will be with gladness. That's why in the Psalms it says, With gladness and rejoicing they shall be brought. They shall enter the king's palace. And another place it says, As a young man marries a virgin, so shall your son marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoices over you. God does not take our relationship simply as it's something granted. It's something that He rejoices over. He's looking forward to it. By the way, this is what identifies who is married to God. The person who is married to God, all their prayers is focused on who God is. If my prayer is still focused on me, I am missing or I still have not entered the stage of marriage. I'm still engaged, have not yet been married. It's all focused on who God is, what does He do, how does He look like, how do I experience Him, how do I enjoy Him. So it's not just a thanksgiving, but it's a real presence with God that I'm constantly expressing and explaining. If you think about the liturgy, St. Basil liturgy, or St. Gregory, we are simply talking about what God is doing. Nothing more, nothing less. He took bread and he broke and he gave to his disciples. And I'm talking to the Father about what the Son has done. That's what I'm doing. We want to learn how to pray as a married couple. I have to focus my thoughts mainly on the Lord. And as you notice in this part, the, the relationship is very clear. The human soul is being referred to as a spouse. It's no longer just a, a woman running around. There is a real relationship, a real bond. We'll start chapter 4. And chapter 4 starts by now the Lord responding. Okay? And I was telling you earlier when we were talking how that the Lord himself praises the human soul and speaks highly of the human soul. What does the Lord says? He says, behold, behold, remember the word behold? It's like breaking news, you know? This is what the word behold is. Behold, God is saying, behold, look at look all the angels, look all the saints. You are fair, my love. You're so beautiful. Behold, you are fair. It's like breaking news twice, you know? This is biggest than any news in the world. My, my spouse, my wife, the human soul is so beautiful. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. Obviously, some of these descriptions are repeated. But when God says, Behold, you are fair, you're beautiful. This is 
contrast this with the bride's original state. And you will find it in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6. What does God say? He says, from the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises, putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointments. So that behold your fair, your beautiful word that you start with. She started with no sound in you, wounds and bruises, brokenness. I am not invited to be loved by God because what I have done. We're all broken, afraid, full of doubts. Even when we try to show that we're strong, deep inside we're vulnerable. We're ignorant. All of us, many of us feel abandoned. Lots of questions in mind. And God says, now, today, like he said in First John, behold, what? You are the child of God. I am full of bruises. I am full of sin. God does not remind us of where we were. When he sees us beautiful, he sees us today. This is the state when people are married to God. He wants us to see through his eyes. He says, that's why the Lord said what? He says, you are already clean. Why am I clean? Because of the word I have spoken to you. This is in John 15, 3. Just listening to the word of God cleanses me. Just seeking his presence cleanses me. One of the saints said, I spent every free moment at the feet of the hidden God. He's my master. I ask him about everything. I speak to him about everything. Here I obtain strength and light. Here I learn everything. Here I'm given light on how to act toward my neighbor. God, as St. Augustine says, reside within our hearts. If the king resides in my heart, I better enter my heart and talk to him. Obviously, when God praises the human soul, it is different from the world praising the human soul. Because when God praises us, it actually humbles us. Because I'm being praised, not because how people see me externally. Somebody who knows me, full of wounds, full of bruises, full of this, full of that, praises me. It feels so authentic, so genuine, so beautiful, but also humbling. Because I know I don't deserve it. 
I know I don't deserve it. The Lord is insistent on praising the eyes. He says you have dove eyes. If you guys remember, the story of the woman who washed the feet of Christ. What did the Lord tell him? When she washed him over Simon's house. He says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I enter your house. You give me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. God looks at these beautiful eyes that's coming to repentance. That's coming to seek Him. It is not about who you were. Simon was a Pharisee. The sinful woman was sinful. Both of them have sins. The sinful woman has 50,000 more sins than the Pharisee. But God looked at that moment. Now, Origen tells us, and as you go through this, you will see that God will praise seven different features of the human soul. Don't forget that when somebody is checking you out, your manners, your speaking, your looks, everything, is going to go through every part of the human soul. First, he looks at the eyes. And if you guys remember in the scripture, the eyes are related to the mind. Okay? And that's why in, in Ephesians it says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, the, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So the eyes are the eyes of my own understanding of who God is and what his promises and what he's doing in my life. And obviously you can compare this with the eyes that is dark. In Ephesians 4.18 says, Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of what? Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. So some people have eyes that are able to see and understand. And John the Baptist is a wonderful example to, to express. He says, when he saw God, he says, behold the Lamb of God. Now, but look what God is saying here. He says, you have, you have dove's eyes behind your veil. The, the veil is a sign of unworthiness. And actually, in the tradition, now it's not anymore, but sometime when the bride walks in, she actually has a little bit of a veil. And then the, the groom would, would, would un, kind of remove the veil. The bride in her veil, you can still see her. There's a little bit of veil behind it. God is praising the soul that feels unworthy when it stands in front of God. It's like the tax collector who stood and said, I'm not worthy. Some people think, you know what, I can talk to God and I can fight with God and I can argue with God and I can be bold with God and all that stuff. It is not praised in the Song of Songs. It is not. People have done it. 
holy people have done it. But it's not praised. God praises the eyes that is behind the veil. The eye that feels unworthy, the eye that does not judge, the eye that does not hold grudges, the eye that's focused on Christ, the eye that sees everybody more beautiful than, than it herself, the eyes that want to praise God in everything that happens around, the eyes that sees goodness and hope and joy everywhere around, this eye is what God praises. One of the saints said, from the moment when you let me fix the eyes of my soul on you, O Jesus, I have been at peace. Suffering, adversities, humiliation, failure, and suspicion have become my way, have come my way, are a splinter that keep alive the fire of my love for you. In all these tribulation that comes, I take them and I burn them, and it just makes me love you more. To have a simple eye requires grace. To have that grace, it requires sacrifice. And then he describes her hair. Remember, the first feature is what? The eyes. The second one is the hair. He says, the hair is like the goats on the east. I feel like the goats when they're coming down the mountain, if you look at them from far, it's like if a flock is walking in harmony, imagine the mountain represents the human being, and all these flocks walking, it looks like the beautiful hair that's coming down. Long hair represents the human glory and also marks a sign of subjection. And if you guys remember in the story of Samson, and Judges 16, 17 says, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. For I have shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like another man. So the Lord looks at the hair of the human being, looks at, not, it's not about the, the, the hair, but he looks about the harmony of the people in the church. And he says it looks like a, a beautiful, a beautiful flock of goats walking down. And it could also be, by the way, the harmony between the human thoughts, feelings, and action. A lot of times my desire do not align well with my feelings and my actions. So God says, when I look at your hair, when I look at what you take glory in, that's why we say women in the church cover their hair because woman represents the church and the, the church is glorified by God, not by the hair. So here is saying what makes the soul glorified is not the world, but it is the harmony of all its faculties in walking together to praise God. And the Mount of Gilead was beyond the Jordan, 
and it's actually known to be the Mount of Blessing. And you'll see this in Genesis 31:48. It says, and Lebanon, and, and, and Laban said, this hip is a witness between you and me this day, therefore it's now called Gilead. So this is actually the, the blessing that was given to Jacob when he wrestled with God. I think we'll stop here and next time we'll continue seeing how God praises every part of the human soul. Next time God will talk about the teeth, every part of the human soul. He will talk about it and talk about how beautiful it is every part of us when walks with God and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.